Hello and welcome to Seeds and Ways, a podcast. I'm the Reverend Dr. Cheryl A. Lindsay, Minister for Worship and Theology for the United Church of Christ. Today I'm sharing my reflection, The Voice, for January 7, 2024, Baptism of Christ Sunday, Year B, from the worship series, Arised, based on Psalm 29, which reads, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. The voice. Please note, material within this reflection uses a Hebrew name for God that is, in the Hebrew tradition, unspoken. In order to honor that tradition, as I read the reflection, I will substitute Holy One for that name. The written reflection on ucc.org will contain the full original quote, the voice. Voice is a complex operation utilizing significant bodily involvement. A voice requires power, sound, and resonance. The air that moves in and out of our lungs provides the power. Vocal cords supply the sound. The mouth and nose combine to create resonance. The brain works in the background to ensure these actions work cohesively to communicate the message that begins it all. Voice has meaning beyond the production of sound that we call speech. Voice also refers to other utterances that we make and they involve the same process described above. But voice can also mark the collective sentiment of a group. For example, when it is noted that the voice of the people have spoken, that expression does not indicate sounds uttered in unison. Rather, it conveys solidarity, agreement, and unity of thought. Voice can also be attributed to musical instruments, proving that we can communicate using human-made means. The word voice can also be used to denote influence and the lack thereof. Using or losing one's voice indicates the ability to exert authority, control, and direction in a relational context. Voice involves individual action within community. Voices may unite in common refrain, emotional exclamation, or a choral response. The expression of the thrill of victory or agony of defeat in a sporting context is a distinct sound of dozens, hundreds, or thousands of fans reacting to the unfolding action at the same time. Sounds are meant to be heard. The old question, if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, does it make a sound, reflects the relational nature of sound. Sounds are both uttered and heard. One aspect of that duality going unfulfilled undermines its legitimacy. 
voices a specific type of sound. So the question of human utterance without human hearing seems appropriate to ponder. In the focus passage, the psalmist speaks of the voice of the Lord. But before that, they lead with exhortations to ascribe particular attributes to God. To ascribe is to give attribution. In other words, the psalmist wants to ensure that the Holy One receives due credit for their character, nature, and glory. Quote, Psalm 29 begins by addressing the sons of gods, a divine counsel common within ancient literature and assumed elsewhere in scripture. The sevenfold repetition of the voice sound of the Holy One punctuates the psalm and underscores the cosmic power of this deity while the concluding description of the Holy One as king directly counters Canaanite mythology, which used the same description for Baal. In effect, Psalm 23 redeploys language and imagery used to describe the rival storm god Baal within Canaanite mythology to affirm the Holy One's sovereignty instead. End quote W. Derek Sutterman. The imperative statements achieve their purpose as the psalmist does what their words encourage the audience to do. Understanding that psalms were used in worship, this encouragement was not only instructional, the performance of the psalm in in liturgical action embodied the words as they were spoken. Like the creative acts of Genesis 1, when the voice of the Holy One spoke and creation evolved, when we speak the inspired word in worship, something happens. The words of the psalm direct the action. Speaking of the psalm performs the action. Psalms should be recited or read out loud when possible, not only because that is true of poetic forms. Psalms are not only meant to be spoken, they are meant to be heard, just like a voice or the voice. In Genesis, the repetitive, initiating action is God speaking. Thinking alone seems insufficient for the creative act. At the same time, No other physical action takes place. In some respects, the creation narrative of Genesis is the first incarnational action. The word does not take on flesh at that moment, but the word does take on voice, even if the deep and the waters are the only audience able to hear and respond. Later, when the embodied one enters into the baptismal waters of the Jordan River, the voice speaks a declarative and ascribing statement. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Even God can offer praise to God's self. At the same time, this sentence serves as more than praise, as history tells us that there had been others claiming to be the Messiah during this time. Identification in this moment distinguishes Jesus as the true son of God and sets him apart from those falsely claiming divinity. In the same way, Psalm 29 distinguishes the Holy One from the gods worshipped by their neighbors. Quote, One of the issues that has fascinated scholars is the connection between this psalm and Canaanite religion. The Hebrew scriptures and the book of Psalms reflect the social setting of ancient Israel and the ancient Near East. And Psalm 29 is a text that indicates that cultural context. It is often suggested that this psalm is one of the older texts in the Psalter and that it derived from Canaanite religion and was appropriated for use in the Jerusalem cult by the Holy One worshipers. Thunderstorms were often taken by ancient peoples to be indications of divine revelation. And this text uses thunderstorm imagery in portraying divine power. 
It may be that portraying the Holy One as the divine king with authority over all of creation provided a kind of polemic against Canaanite deities. End quote. Walter Brueggemann and W.H. Bellinger, Jr. Epiphanies are often to be understood as an unveiling of that which had been hidden. The voice of God reminds us that revelation comes through multiple sensory movements. As Psalm 34, 8 extorts, taste and see how good the Lord is. A comforting hand, a warm embrace also manifests the love of God in the world. The ultimate but not exclusive revelation of divine presence is found in Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, making a home among creation. God with us was not new with the coming of Christ. Rather, what had been hidden, even at humanity's own doing, was revealed. God has been with us from the beginning, when the voice began to speak worlds into existence. Psalm 29 celebrates, proclaims, and recommits to that truth. Quote, the imagery of Psalm 29 falls squarely in the tradition of theophanies and the Hebrew scriptures. A theophany is an appearance of God to humans. Verse 9 concludes with the worshiper's response to the divine presence with the shout glory. The term suggests a manifestation of the Holy One's presence and activity in the world, which causes worshipers to shout exclamations of honor and majesty to the living God. Verse 9 brings readers back to the question of the identity of the worshipers. The psalm's opening addressed heavenly beings. Perhaps the word temple includes some ambiguity and could refer to both a heavenly setting and an earthly setting. The tension and connections between the Jerusalem temple and the heavenly throne room are reflected in a number of psalms. In Psalm 29, heavenly worship is to be echoed in the worship of the Holy One in the Jerusalem temple. End quote. Walter Brueggemann and W.H. Bellinger, Jr. Let us credit the voice for creative and abiding presence. Let us attribute our lives and being to the one who speaks and hears. Let us declare in grateful response that the Holy One has been revealed, is being revealed, and will be revealed. The voice is the Holy One, the God we love, in whom we are pleased. Thanks be to God the voice. Thank you for joining me on Seeds and Ways. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can find the full sermon seeds entry, including a suggested congregational response, quotes for further reflection, voices of African descent, and the roadmap for the entire season on ucc.org. Sermon Seeds also has a Facebook page where I do Facebook Live process videos in preparation for the reflection and share updates and links for Sermon Seeds and Worship Ways. Follow us there and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. I pray that this tool provides a seed that will bear fruit in your faith community as you proclaim the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.